0: Something that's been on my mind recently is the idea of competitive religion, which is where Christians oftentimes try to make themselves appear as more righteous or more knowledgeable about scripture than the people who are around them to kind of give them this idea of superiority or this feeling of a self-worth that is more than other believers because they know more or they are better at following Christ. And I think it stems from a combination of our own sinful nature and the selfishness that comes out of that, as well as the understanding of the truth in Scripture that there is equality in the kingdom of God, that there's no longer male or female, old, young, rich, poor, but everyone is seen as equals before God, and God doesn't treat any one person more favorably than another person. And I think when we come into church or come into any congregation of believers with that understanding that we're all kind of starting from this equal ground and we combine that understanding with our own sinful nature and our desire to feel important and feel like we have more worth, especially more worth than other people, then it leads us to have these subtle competitions with other people that isn't based on things like wealth or age. But it is based on things like righteousness and wisdom and how knowledgeable are you about the word of God and how well can you justify your beliefs and opinions about scripture. And if you're able to convince those around you that you are more righteous and wiser in scripture than they are, then it gives you this sense of superiority and confidence And it makes you feel more valuable than those around you. And it truly is a terrible thing because as you're trying to make yourself feel more valuable, you're doing so by trying to make other people feel less valuable or less knowledgeable than you are. And having grown up in church, I've definitely seen this happen a lot. And I would say that I've seen more instances of Christians trying to one-up each other more than I've seen them trying to serve and support one another. But what I want to show us today is that when we make these efforts to show ourselves as being more righteous than other people, and especially when we try to show ourselves as being wiser than other people when it comes to Scripture, that we're truly undermining our own efforts because the wisdom that is shown in Scripture Is so different than simply having a knowledge of what the Bible says even if you've got the whole thing memorized and understand the historical context behind everything that's being said you can have all of that knowledge and all of that understanding and still not be considered wise by biblical standards because wisdom is not simply the accumulating of knowledge and understanding It's how we apply that knowledge and understanding. And so to help us understand a biblical perspective on wisdom, I want us to go to James chapter 3. And today we're going to be focusing on verse 17. But to kind of lead us into that verse, I want to start reading from verse 13 today. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So in this passage we are shown That wisdom is not determined by knowledge and understanding, but rather the condition of our heart and the way that we treat other people. And so we're given this list of characteristics in verse 17 that are reflective of a wisdom that comes from heaven. And I want to walk us through this so that we understand what heavenly wisdom really looks like. So it starts by saying that wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Above everything else and before anything else, heavenly wisdom is pure. And that means that it's removed from that selfishness of sin. So people who have heavenly wisdom are people who are not concerned about getting what they want. They've learned to sacrifice their own selfishness to be able to put their desires aside in order to be able to walk in the righteousness of God. They do not put themselves at the center and that allows them to walk a life that is pure. So already we are seeing that if we have a desire to feel like we have more worth than the people who are around us, That we have impure motivations there because we are focusing on our own self-worth and really our self-worth should be coming from our identity in Christ rather than anything that we are doing or trying to compare ourselves to other people. And so if we have that motivation to try to prove ourselves better than other people, that highlights a selfishness that is in our heart and shows that we are leaving an impure life and that that is something that we need to let Christ wash away from us to even begin to walk in heavenly wisdom. So then once we're able to stop focusing on ourselves and live with this pure wisdom, it will then lead us into being peace-loving because in order for peace to be established it has to stop looking at things from just our own perspective and start looking at the bigger picture overall and making sure that whatever we are striving for is something that is going to be beneficial to all people rather than just ourselves because true peace doesn't happen just when you get what you want peace happens when everyone has what they need And so to even begin to focus on that bigger picture of peace, we first have to be able to set ourselves aside and stop focusing on ourselves to be able to look instead towards that bigger picture. And when we're focused on that bigger picture and trying to make sure that the needs of everyone is being met, that's going to move us into a place of the next thing that's mentioned here, which is being considerate. Because in order to ensure that everyone's needs are being met, you have to know what everyone's needs are. And sometimes that takes some investigation. Sometimes that takes some conversations with people to understand what it is that they need. What is it that they're looking for? And sometimes even what their desires are. Doesn't mean that we can always meet their desires, but we're at least taking those things of theirs into consideration. And so this heavenly wisdom then leads us to a place where we are seeking to understand other people and the needs that they have in order to bring us into this place of peace with one another where all of our needs are being met. And it doesn't mean that we're always happy all the time or that nothing bad ever happens to us. It simply means that we are now considering more than just what we want in order to provide this peace on a much bigger level. So then we take all of these people's needs into consideration, including our own needs, right? Not our desires, but our needs as well. We're involved in this too. But take our needs into consideration with everyone else's needs, and then what do we do with it? Well, then we go to the next characteristic of wisdom that is shown here, which is to be submissive. Now, Scripture is very clear that we are to have no other gods except for God himself, and also that we shouldn't spend all of our time trying to please other people because we are not beholden to them. So when it's talking about being submissive here, it's not talking about being submissive to other people. It's talking about remaining obedient to the will of God we want to make sure that everything we are saying and doing lines up with what God's will is. And this is where prayer can be especially helpful in helping us discern what God's will is. And also, this is then where an understanding of Scripture is also helpful, to understand the character of God and what He desires, so that we can apply that will of God to whatever situation we are in. So then instead of just focusing on what we want or even the desires of other people, that we are taking everyone's needs into consideration and working with God to help him through us be able to meet those people's needs. And letting God determine how we do that so that it's his plan that's being implemented rather than just our own plan, which is not going to be anywhere near as good as what his plan is. This verse then goes on to show us what the will of God consists of, says that it's full of mercy and good fruit. And there's a reason that these two things are paired together, but let's begin by talking about what it means to be full of mercy in the things that we do. The mercy of God is described as him not giving us the punishment that we deserve. So his grace is giving us what we do not deserve. His mercy is not giving us what we clearly deserve. Because God is patient with our imperfections. He knows that we are imperfect. He knows that we are sinful. But he doesn't just condemn us. He is patient with us, he loves us, and he forgives us when we repent to him. And so it's that same patience toward imperfection that we should then be showing when we are walking in wisdom. That when we are looking at other people and the imperfections that they have, and maybe it includes some of those desires that are not pleasing to God, and we can recognize that, that we show them the same kind of patience that God shows us in our sin. Because none of us became perfect when we started to follow Christ. There are still things that we wrestle with, things that we struggle with, and God is continually patient with us, showing us mercy by not striking us down every single time we sin. Every time we disobey God and we're still breathing afterward, that is a testament of the mercy of God. And we then, when we are walking in heavenly wisdom, right, walking with that God like wisdom, because we want to model ourselves after God, right, following Christ's example, when we're doing that, then we will be full of mercy in all that we do. That we aren't just condemning people for the mistakes that they make, but rather we are patient with them and forgiving towards them. But that kind of wisdom that is full of mercy is also paired with being full of good fruit. And I like this because in order to produce fruit, it takes a lot of effort. And if you are putting in a whole lot of effort, but at the end of it, if you don't get any fruit... You don't just pat yourself on the back and say, well, I tried, because you don't have anything to show for it at the end. And that is another key to this heavenly wisdom, is that it pursues results rather than just effort. It doesn't just say, well, as long as you're trying, that's good enough. It says that if what you're doing is not working, then we need to fix something so that you are then able to produce a lot of good fruit. And so it really does make a lot of sense that these aspects of heavenly wisdom of being full of mercy and good fruit that that's paired together because the tension between those two themes remain a constant tension that we need to be patient and forgiving with other people understanding that we are all in the process of following God and are at different places in that journey but also understanding that if you say you're following Christ, but you aren't making disciples like he's instructed you to do, that it's not okay to just leave things like that. And something needs to change because you aren't producing any fruit. And it's not just the effort that God is looking for. He wants us to be bearers of good fruit. And so we need to be patient in that process, but make sure that we are still producing results. And both of those things work together to give us a clear understanding of the truth of who God is, where he loves us where we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay where we are, and he wants to move us into something better tomorrow than where we are today. And when we have heavenly wisdom in our life, our life will also be reflective of that, where we say, I understand you're not perfect that's okay because I'm not perfect either, and I still love you, I'm still here to serve you and support you and help you however you, however I can, but I also love you too much to just leave you where you are, and I want to mo- help move you and help God move you into something greater so you can go and produce fruit for the kingdom of God like he is calling you to do. And when we then look at those around us from that perspective— Then it moves us into the next characteristic of heavenly wisdom that's shown here, which is being impartial. Because when we understand that love is unconditional, that people don't have to perform to a certain standard in order for us to show them love, but also that we all have the same goal of producing good fruit, which is making disciples, and that is the same goal for each and every one of us, then we are being equally loving towards all people and setting the same goal and standard for all people as well. And even in our own lives, that we are allowing ourselves to be loved the same way that others are loved unconditionally and to also have that standard set for our life of making disciples, which is the same for each and every follower of Christ. And so when we have that same requirement for love, and that same purpose of making disciples, then we will be viewing everyone in the same light, and be walking in the equality of God's kingdom. Which then brings us back to solving this issue of competitive religion. Because it doesn't matter how much Bible knowledge someone has, or how good they are at Avoiding sin in their life You can look at someone who has memorized the entire Bible word-for-word cover from cover and only sins once a month and you can look at them right next to someone who doesn't even own a Bible and still has several addictions That they are trying to break free from in their life and you can look at those two people next to each other and say that they are equally deserving of that unconditional patient love as well as they both have that same purpose of making disciples and since those two things are consistent in your perspective of each of them they stand equals in the kingdom of god And in your submissive obedience to the will of God, you treat them with that same impartialness. Which then leads us to the last characteristic that's mentioned here, which is to be sincere. And when we are sincere, there is a consistency between what is in our heart and then our words and actions. We aren't doing and saying things despite the way we feel about other people, we are doing and saying things out of the heart we have for other people and out of the perspective in which we view them. And that sincerity is what true heavenly wisdom looks like. It's not how much of the Bible we know. It's not how good we are at avoiding sin in our life. It's how do we look at and treat other people. And this is why when Christians try To show how much better they are than the people around them. How they are only showing their true colors. And how far removed they are from the wisdom that comes from God. Because heavenly wisdom is not bitter, and it's not found in selfish ambition. Heavenly wisdom is first of all pure, not focused on yourself. Then peace-loving looking at the bigger picture. Consider it, taking everyone's needs into consideration. Submissive, taking all of those needs and giving it to God and saying, God, how do you want me to work with you to meet these needs? And then as we do so, it's full of both mercy and good fruit, that we're patient and loving with others where they're at and loving them too much to leave them where they're at, and working with them to accomplish the same purpose that God has given to us of making disciples and saying, I want to make disciples, and I want to help you make disciples, so let's do this together. And that you do that process with people that you are looking at in an impartial way, not judging them based on how much Bible they know or how little sin is in their life. Because you know that they are equal in the kingdom of God. And now everything that you are doing isn't despite how you feel. It isn't despite the way that you look at other people. You genuinely want to serve and support those around you. And those words and actions that now make up your life are coming straight from the condition of your heart. That is what heavenly wisdom looks like. It's found in the attitude of your heart, in your perspective towards other people, and in your obedience to walk in the righteousness of God. And that is why this passage ends by saying that peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness, because when we are then, instead of competing with one another, that we are supporting one another and serving one another in order to go out and make disciples together, as we walk in that peace of support and serving, then we are walking in obedience to the will of God in paths of righteousness. And so, if you want to have heavenly wisdom in your life, then I want to ask you this question. How does God want you to serve those around you. Because you can see in this explanation of what heavenly wisdom looks like that we see in James, that there's this clear theme of making sure that you are focused on other people rather than yourself, and that you are living your life rather than serving your own desires, that you are living in a way to meet the needs of other people. And just like how Jesus said that he came not to be served by other people, but rather for he himself to serve others, that in following in his example and walking in these righteous paths of peace that comes from heavenly wisdom, the place to start in that journey is to begin by serving those around you. So I encourage you to spend some time in prayer and let God show you how he wants to use you to serve those who are around you and help meet their needs. And that's today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And wherever you're listening to this, I encourage you to like it, share it, comment, all of those things that help boost the message and help get this teaching out into the rest of the world. But until next time, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And I pray that God will bless you with his heavenly wisdom as you allow him to teach you how to better meet the needs of others.